Hello guys, this is Christian Spanik. Some of you know me as long as you're older than 40 years. And I was talking to SeaWorld Magazine. We had a lot of fun discussing media, IT, and the history of all the things you're just using. So go for it, listen to it. Everybody, it's the Scene World Podcast. It's me, AJ. That's Jurg, and this is our, I guess, our Christmas episode. Um, yep. In which we are speaking with Darren Melbourne about the uh, the A five hundred Mini. Exactly. Which and I Christmas. want just for the mouse. And Christmas. Yes, and Christmas. But. <laughs> but but it's it's I I, I like the A five hundred Mini purely for like like i saw on amazon you can purchase it you can pre-order actually the mouse it's just a usb mouse i know but i know but i, I totally want that instead of this this i, or, I don't i don't or, like or the, this i don't like the tank top mouse you don't you don't like the tank very, i love the tank it's mouse. not very ergonomic and uh, well i mean I, the c64 i love, I love the c64 this mouse. mouse has the same same yes. case basically yes, I, I love this mouse the only reason i have a uh, 1351 is because lemmings doesn't work with the compatible mouses mice mice yeah. for yeah. some reason anyway um it's our second time that we speak to darren mayburn we spoke yes. to darren mayburn 2016 for <laughs> in for, a hotel room while he was exactly for the um d64 um, well, and um, yep. back in the day, 2016, we were the only one interviewing him because everybody was suspicious about the Nobody Indiegogo. Thought. Nobody thought it was going to be a thing that would actually come to fruition. Right. And now um, we are in double pack. That means Chris Smith, the CTO, and Darren Mayburn. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to that. Um, but before that, we have two news. Two news. Um, Newses, exactly. Um, one would be that uh, today uh, Min Becker celebrated 15 years on YouTube. Nice. With a special German video. And um, the two of us for the Scenewood interview were also mentioned. Oh, because we were. he was on our podcast together with his wife, Mina Becker. Yeah, so, I didn't uh, know that. I, ha- I haven't seen because it's, it's in German. I don't, you know. I don't right. understand, so I didn't watch but it. Except but except those two seconds where, where we are saying something, then it's in English, but the rest of it is in send, German. Send me that timestamp. Well, um, you don't just, have to do it. You don't have to just, do it right now. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, second piece of news is eight days left on the watermelon Kickstarter. And surprise, surprise, now for the last week, he added a purchase form on the Magical Game Factory homepage oh. for people who actually really want to avoid Kickstarter. But I tell you something, Kickstarter is not that hard to use. It's not, um, it really 
Um, but despite that, he um, also published a man manual with screenshots step by step because um, the um, the Paprium watermelon Kickstarter is using the add-on function that is quite new to Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I figured it out, and most people who, who order that stuff are techies anyway, or another way, so right, it's not right. that hard. Yeah. Well, those would be the two news I've got. There are also two news that we missed that just came in recently. Um, this week and Zonic from the Master System will be released on the Commodore 64. The only requirement you have next to being a stock C64 is having a ROI, a RAM expansion unit. And the other news was that Thalamus actually announced that Commodore 64 games are coming to the Switch next year. So enjoy. That's it. Now let's go on. I got uh, nothing. I wish you a Merry Christmas and yes. a Happy New Year. Yes, indeed. And, and also Happy Hanukkah and whatever else you're celebrating. From right. Non-denominational right. folk. Right. Yeah, well, that's it. Let's jump to yep. uh, Christmas and Darren Melbourne. Darren Melbourne, which and was recorded sometime before Christmas, but nobody needs to know that. Right. And um, let's talk about the... Born of the A500 Mini. Yes. Bazow. So, today, we are actually talking to Darren Mailbird and Chris Smith. And um, you are, if I'm not mistaken, from Retro Games, right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. And... Um, you especially, Darren, you came in the picture in the past for um, organizing the DTV and having the idea for the DTV. Yeah. And um, we spoke five years ago about the DC64. DC64, yes. Exactly. And now we are returning with you and Chris Smith, who is the CTO. Talking about the speaking, A500 Mini. Speaking of which, maybe we can get to the bottom of the the mystery that has been been uh, surrounding me lately. In that, in that, um, uh, a couple of about a, maybe two months ago, out of nowhere, okay. this showed up at my door with cool. no explanation. I have no idea where it came from. Well, that's that's awesome, and I'd like to say that was probably our wonderful PR department. Okay. <laughs> But I, I, I genuinely have no idea, but isn't that amazing? <laughs> but there was no sender address on it, right? There was no, there was no, yeah, there was no return address. There was no information on it. It was just, it just arrived. And then a couple of days later, we heard about the, uh, the A500 mini and I'm like, aha. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we just sent them out to everyone to remind you all we still exist. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, people had a lot of expectations and stuff. And um, especially talking about Amiga, there's always a license issue. Yeah. So you obviously worked around those things, guys. So uh, it's, 
look, when, when you're dealing with any hardware that's 30, 40 years old, as you might imagine, there's going to be license issues. There's going to be provenance issues. And as with when we, when we built the original, the C64, and uh, the mini and, and the full size, it's just getting to the bottom of who owns these things. And it's taken, you know, I've been unpicking this particular, this particular puzzle for over, I would say over 20 years. You know, I've, mm -hmm. I've been through Tulip. I've been through all of their successor companies. I've been through people who claim they own the rights, people who claim they own the Commodore logo, people who claim they own the games. And it's taken a long time to, to unpick what we believe is the true chain of provenance. So, we, we, you know, again, we, uh, as, as we did previously with our, with our last products, in fact, as we've done with all of our products, we license officially everything we can. The operating systems by us, we license games. We license everything we can. We pay everyone that we believe to be the true owners in the value chain. And we try and do, we, you know, we, we try and make these products as authentic and, and uh, as respectful to the, to the owners and to the originators as possible. Yeah. Speaking about authentic, a while ago we had um, we had interviews with the two former German championship masters in kickoff two, and especially in the kickoff two community, they don't use emulators because they say there is always a fraction of delay in the inputs and how the game reacts. And you, Chris, as being the CTO, can this can this um, a 500 mini be used as a replacement in those competitions or do we still have to carry around our crt monitors and stuff <laughs> i mean hdmi itself is known to cause a delay exactly it does it's um especially if it's a compressed video stream which hdmi usually is you're going to be you're going to struggle basically there's 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 a lag everywhere unless you're you know unless you've got an analog signal has got no processing on it from the chip to the electron beam on the screen, um, you're going to get latency. I mean, you get latency on a CRT. It just depends. Yeah, you know? right, right. You can have up to 16 or 20 milliseconds, depending on 60 or 50 hertz. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's a struggle. Um, but we do our, our best to try and do as much stuff kind of in the background and to make the processing chain as short as possible. Okay, but it's always a it's always a trade off. I mean, I mean that's basically the difference between the um, Commodore sixty four and the Amiga. The Amiga is still used actively for competitive competitive gaming, you know. So yeah. the expectations are a lot higher for the end product than compared to a Commodore sixty four. The pressure's on. The pressure exactly. is on. Yeah. Well, it, it's, there's Actually, always going to be um, a, a trade off. So. Um, you know, if you if you want to be doing effectively zero latency um, um, competitions or any sort of data processing like, like that, you're going to have to use divisional hardware because it's the you can't get closer to that speed unless you're using you know uh, the real hardware or at least hardware uh, FPGA or something. Um, but that's the thing. So um, you know, I wonder why the, the um, the gamers using kickoff 2 etc they're not using something like the chameleon or something that's an fpga amiga i mean there must be there must be latency in that as well you know so even um just saying well we're not going to use emulation we're going to use hardware doesn't necessarily make it the um you know meet your end goal i guess right 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 actually i but think you, uh, uh, yeah. 
a fairer answer might be if they're both using an A500 Mini, they will both experience exactly the same thing. So if they're in competition, they neither has an advantage over the other. So if there is a fractional latency, mm. both parties will experience it. They'll have exactly the same end, end game. That's exactly. True. Yeah. I mean, of course, I had to ask it because I know uh, there was even a competition in my city and I know they are very picky about how the game reacts to inputs and stuff. And I was like, okay, that is something the Amiga has to deal with. The Commodore 64 doesn't because Commodore 64, nobody's using it for competitive um, pro gaming, you know. So, That's but true. the Amiga is different. They are, um, they are still using it actively for, for some things. You know, so, um, right. Mm -hmm. As they should be. It's a marvelous machine. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, just... so, so guys, let me show a bit of history for you. I remember the first sure. time I, I saw an Amiga was, uh, I guess would have been around 1986, well, I, I want to say. And I had visited a software company. We were doing some, um, in fact, do you remember the game Friday the 13th on the C64? Of yeah. course. Yeah. So we, we were looking at doing some, um, some disk protection, some, some copy protection on Friday the 13th. And we visited the offices of a software company called ASK. And they had one of the first, I think, one of the first 10 or 15 Amigas in, in Britain delivered to their office. And one of the first things, there were two things I remember seeing on it. I saw a, a demo of flying through the solar system. And I literally never thought graphics could get better than that at all, ever. And then I, I played the game Archon, and I fell in love with Archon all over again. It was it was a stunning game on the Amiga, and that was it. My my love for Commodore machines at that point was firmly cemented. Hmm. Uh, you, you, I've, as I've as I've waxed lyrically many times in the past, the C64 is my first and and probably true love. But the Amiga really was was the successor to it. It was it was the it was the big brother. It was an, an incredible machine then. It's still, as you say, it's still used in competitive gaming today. I still think it stands up really well. The only thing limiting it, I guess, is, is the imagination and, and the talent of coders because the machine is, is outstanding. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Chris, how did you start into your retro computing adventure? Perhaps let's talk about that. Oh, gosh, gosh, gosh. Um, <laughs> so... Oh, God. Well, I started on the Sinclair machines. Oh, oh, back oh. In 1981. I like, I like, I like the fact both of you guys go, oh, no. oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So that's where I started, basically. Um, and I was a ZX Spectrum user, owner, and my friend, my best friend, had a Commodore 64. So uh, a lot of time spent at his house playing Eidolon and um, Little Computer People racing destruction sets, all that kind of stuff. You know, we were um, elite. Um, yeah, so all the classic, really all the classic games. So that's where my love of the Commodore sort of came from. Um, but around that time, I was doing some work for a, a company called Microgen, um, who based in the UK. Um, around the time that they went into, um, into insolvency. So, um, so that's basically where I started with, with my kind of, retro gaming so i've always been still sort of interested in assembly programming and tinkering at that level etc um writing emulators and things um and being, a, Chris, being a software and a hardware guy a good time to plug your book that's that's a great segue to plug that is a great great segue so um 
uh, I came I came back basically into the electronic side of retro computing in around about 2007, where I decided that I wanted to have a look at seeing if I could build my own computer from scratch, you know, from the parts you can get from DigiKey or mouse or all that kind of stuff. Because um, uh, I wanted to do that when I was a, a teenager, but um, I just didn't have I didn't have the knowledge and the books weren't available, so. I decided, oh, right, I'm going to create my own ZX Spectrum from scratch that is going to, um, you know, perfectly recreate the timing of the ZX Spectrum. And in doing so, I basically worked out how the custom chip worked internally, um, managed to get it optically imaged, and then I took the chip from the silicon and wrote a book about it. So that's the... Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it? so that's the book awesome there you go. Buy. and the finished sir uh, we should be talking about this now this is the um oh the, the prototype of the chip wow um, okay so that's that's what i ended up building so from that and the um the um the photographs of the, the silicon chip that's inside the ULA. I wrote the um, basically the manual on yeah. the spectrum. Wow. So, so you are basically um, a hardware designer as well. Yeah, my my, um, my qualifications are in software and in in microelectronics. So, um, oh. so hence hence doing what I'm doing basically. Now. <laughs> interesting, interesting, interesting. <laughs> interested in retro computing uh, and how that cell stuff works. Um, uh, electronic engineer and um, a degree in computer science. So, so it's the, guy, the right guy for all this. Absolutely. In other words, he's the clever one. <laughs> <laughs> you you uh, mean yeah. it's it's a bit it's a bit like Steve Jobs and and uh, exactly um, and Vosniak, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'd, like, I'd like to think. I'd like to think. I'd like to think we show him just a little bit more respect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay. yeah, Darren's a nice Steve Jobs. There you go. We yeah. we acknowledge how clever how clever all this side of the house, clever this side of the business yeah. is. I mean, I mean, I'm very, I'm very happy that you are so honest and saying you don't know yet how 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 this um, A500 Mini will be on the latency side. So I guess we will see it when it's. When it comes out, um... well, we did really well with the C sixty four, and all of the Definitely. all of the technical tricks and all that kind of stuff that we we learned um, with the C sixty four. I mean, it wasn't bad when it was first released, but we made it better. You know, um, it's one of these things that that actually takes a little bit of time because it, you can't just look at it and say, "Oh, it's slow at that point." It's everything varies. You know, there's a lot of parameters in there that, that you, you need to you know um some of the some of the latency was actually audio latency mm -hmm. so um people were perceiving the latency to be worse than it was because there was a bit of audio buffering True. you know um right turn the volume down on the television and, and all of a sudden the latency is better <laughs> but it's you know it's a bit of a trick so um we were able to you know make, make that audio buffer as short as possible um but you never want to go too short to begin with because <laughs> obviously 
you know, if it's too short, then you end up having glitches and stuff. And then people True. think the product is, is not very good quality and all that kind of stuff. So there's, you've got to tread carefully. Yeah. Um, all that we learned, everything that we've learned, um, and a lot of the code, um, has, has made its way into the, the A500 mini. So, I mean, I mean, there is an example. There was the Mega Drive Mini that had this sound buffering issue that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. That the uh, European version would play NTSC games better than the European <laughs> versions the the console was made for. So um, I yeah. perfectly understand what you say about making the um, the buffering too short because that's exactly what they did. And then in the end, as you know, um, Sega said, "Ad Games made a bad job." We do it ourselves. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and here's the thing um, about the uh, about C64 and C64, uh, the C, uh, C64 Mini. I guess most people not complain about the software, but about the hardware, because the joystick is prone to break in parts. And there are manuals and guides on the internet how to screw how to put a screw in the middle of the joystick so it doesn't break anymore. Well, yeah, hopefully, was, um, we've, hopefully we've remedied that. Yeah. That was the very first, very first version of the joystick. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, since, since then, the, the microswitch joysticks, et cetera, that was a practically a complete redesign of the mechanics yeah. and, and everything, you know? So um, yeah, which took a lot of time and it's quite expensive, but <laughs> <laughs> so but how it was. It was it didn't expect players to use so much force on the joystick that they would regularly break it, or how? I how think, did it I think that in all honesty, we we got our tested versions through. We play tested with them. Nobody ever broke a joystick. So the ones we were getting from the factory, we play tested with repeatedly. They were absolutely fine. So it was, a, it was a shock when these things started falling apart, really. And we, we had no idea this was going to happen at all. Hmm. Interesting. So hopefully, hopefully we've now eliminated that problem completely. As Chris said, it was a virtual redesign. It was back to, basically back to the CADs and, and a whole new rebuild being sent out to the factory and new specifications. And hopefully they're a lot, you know, they're a lot more robust now and they don't fall to pieces. <laughs> so there are different hardware revisions of the um, C64 mini. Oh, of the joystick for sure. Yeah. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, and, I, and I also had the feeling, I don't know if it's true, that the VIC-20 was only available in UK because I couldn't find it in Amazon Germany. No, that's purely, that's purely a supply issue. It's, it should be available everywhere. Um, I, look, the, the, the supply issues right now that are affecting us are also affecting, you know, you can't buy a PlayStation 5, you can't buy, it's, it's hard to buy an Xbox. It's hard to buy anything. We were limited to what we could manufacture at the time. We've got, in fact, we have quite a lot of units of VIC-20 and some full size coming into Europe in time for Christmas. Um, mm. but we've had we've had the same issue in the States. We've had we've had ships just set out at sea, not able to dock. So we've had all this stock coming in and it's just sat, sitting on ships or on a on a dock side in China. And the, the problem is just getting the ships, the ships on the water and getting them delivered. You know, we we ran into ship shortages and a pandemic. It wasn't a great time to release a product, to yeah. be fair. Yeah, well. Ah, okay. And and this is now all sorted out for the release. I think it's March. 2022 yeah. right yeah. yeah well i think that's that's one of the reasons it's march is because this manufacturing issue it, it, 
it's just taking a lot longer to get things done. It's a lot more expensive and a lot more time consuming. Okay. And, and, and this time, will it be internationally released? I think, I think you, AJ, said that the Max version of the C64, you didn't find it in America at first, I, I right? did find it. In, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find it at first in the US. And uh, recently, I did see it on Amazon. Uh, in the US. Yeah, I think I think the problem is as soon as there are so many pre-orders and so many so much demand, actually, surprisingly, according according to our distribution company, who I think they were they were caught unawares by how popular it was. So every time units come in, they sell out straight away. So mm -hmm. Amazon will say they have a delivery coming in. By the time people get to Amazon, it's all gone again. Wow, so right, you know right. that's it's it's good in some respects, but it's also hugely disappointing that we just can't get more stock there at the moment. But hmm. you know we're, we're we're not the only ones facing the supply problem, right? Yeah. And and so far the distribution was done by Koch Media, if I'm not it mistaken. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Ah, interesting. So um, I mean now the expectations are high for the for the Amiga. Um, I guess in in the team AJ is our Amiga guy. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You you can you can ask more about the tech details because I have no idea about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what are the tech details? I know it will be handling some AGA stuff because it can. It's yep. it, it looks like the 500. The keys aren't going to work obviously because it's mini. Um, yeah. Yeah. Will you be able to do the normal stuff like plug it in an external keyboard and using it as a as a machine, you know, as yeah, a, as absolutely. A... Um, so, um, so it's it's kind of like what our main sort of mini user base, our, our sort of um, what do you call it, like a customer profile for those sort of users, is somebody who um, wants to play Amiga games, wants to do it easily, wants to use modern televisions, doesn't want to be faffing about with getting a Raspberry Pi and downloading RetroArch or Pomenia or anything like that on it. Right. Just take it out of the box, plug it in. It just works. It's got all the, it's got the, the 25 games installed. Um, but unlike other mini consoles um, well, from other companies, we let you um, play your own software on there as well. Mm -hmm. um, your, own, then, your own legally owned software, Chris. Yes. The software that you own, you can then play it. Absolutely. Um, and again, to, to make that as easy as possible, we've um, licensed WHD load. Okay. As a, as a, as a um, because that makes it more console-like. If you're, if, you're, if you're forced with having to download, I don't know, uh, eight or nine floppy disks, you know, um, on, onto, onto your USB stick, and then you have to keep going and changing the disk, it's not... For the person who's a casual Amiga user, that's not a great experience anyway. Right. Uh, even if somebody's like a hardcore Amiga, Amiga user, it's still a bit of an obstacle. You know, you're a lot of jumping in and out of the of the machine into the into the user interface and all that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. we thought, well, look, look, um, what is this for? This is for playing playing software, right? Well, if you can prepackage your software as a WHD load LHA archive, stick that on a USB stick, off you go. Um, so, well, every title, yeah, yeah. So that should just work out of the box. We're not promising that everything will work because we can't test everything. The Amiga yeah. is one of those weird machines where there's a lot of variability between Absolutely. individual machines, what people would add into them and what you could get for them. Yeah, so. exactly. So we support, from a hardware point of view, um, 
Well, I think it's a bit of a misnomer to say, oh, it's an A500, it's a 600, it's a 1200. It's, right. it, it's more that um, it supports the ECS, OCS, and AGA chipsets. Um, it'll support um, chip and flash, uh, fast men, and a bit of slow men, actually. Um, it will support, it, of course, we've licensed the Kickstart ROMs. Um, so it's got the Kickstart ROMs that will cover the A500, 600, 1200. Including the new ones that Hyperion just put out, uh, 314 and 3.2. So no, we haven't got those because, okay. um, because well, we could, we could license them, but then we'd be licensing them and making them available should somebody want them. Yeah, sure, we don't need sure. them for the pre-installed software, so it's not cost-effective. So if you want to use those, go and license them. Right, right. It's not a cost that we're really, um, you know, it's not a good cost choice for us to go licensing that kind of stuff. So we, we basically use the minimum that we need to provide the unit to work out of the box. Anything additional, um, go and pay for that yourself, basically. Is right, right. The way of doing it. So, um, yeah, and because it's WHD load, everything runs as an A1200 initially because WHD load works on A1200. But then it kind of operates as a 500 or a 600, depending. On, I think it operates as a 600 um, uh, to run the titles or as a 1200 to run the titles. So that's effectively how that kind of works, really. Um, uh, it supports different chips, different CPUs, from the 00 to the 20 to the 40, 30, 40. Um, yeah, I think the, the, range, but it's all the standard ones. The highest um, one it went was the 04. Well, there were some with 060s, but I don't, that's, they, they were far, few and far between. I think 040 was the, was the golden, like, uh, you know, the top of the. Yeah. So that'll sort of run as that, um, and it'll do the 7, 14, 25, and then it's got like a kind of turbo mode, which basically means it'll run as fast as it possibly can on the hardware. It's not as fast as you'd get on your, your PC or your MacBook, but it's um, right. It's kind of fast enough. So, yeah, you know, it's um, um, more than you would have had if you had a real 500 or 1200. Right, right. Yes. So, so that's kind of, kind of what it is. Um, um, yeah, but it's modeled out of 500, obviously, and uh, it's got that form factor and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's because the 500 has the best form factor. It's just, it's oh, just yeah, a, it's, and it's um, such a pretty machine. Very mindful of it being the the original and the one that most people remember. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it, we would have liked to have done like the six hundred or the twelve hundred, because it's a much smaller case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but when we went out and spoke to people, and we didn't lead them down, you know, didn't lead their answers. They, they everybody talked about the five hundred. Yeah. So then it was a no-brainer. You know, it's it's let, let the users decide what it is that they expect and want to see. So that's that's why we've ended up with something that's it's a little bit it's the same width as a C64 mini, mm -hmm. almost exactly, um, but it's about um, a third deeper, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. The keys are, the keys are a little bit smaller than on the C64 mini actually because. It's yes, got that little, scale. You know, it's got the keypad on the side, et cetera. So it's all a bit shrunken down. Right, right. Um, but it looks lovely. Really looks lovely. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Amiga 500 fan. I never actually saw an Amiga until uh, maybe five years ago. 
Like I'd heard of them, I'd seen them in magazines, and I lusted after them, but I never actually saw one in person because in the U.S. for some reason they just didn't they didn't take off quite as much. No. Yeah. And then a few years ago, I got the chance to grab a 500 and uh, you know add all kinds of things to it, and well, currently it has crashed on your web page, so we get <laughs> we get some. <laughs> I wonder what that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will there also um, be a full-size version at some point? I would be surprised if that's not an avenue that we go down at some point in the future, yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. Very cool. Now, I, now I would also like to know about the, the, the peripherals because with the 64, it came with a joystick. Yeah. And and this one, um, I don't know if it's the joystick is an option, I believe, but it also the comes game with the, pad. Yeah, it's the game pad. Yes, actually, yes, the right? game pad. The, the yeah. game pad. Yes. <laughs> um, but it also comes with the uh, the Amiga mouse, which is essentially just a USB the mouse. mouse. Yeah. Now, honestly, I would buy the thing just to use that mouse on my Mac because I love the <laughs> Commodore mouse so much. You know, so so what kind of hardware is it's not obviously there's no ball, it's not like a ball mouse. No, well, um, tell me it's a ball mouse. I'm gonna be no, to, to, to be honest, the 3D printed version, right? Ah, yes, so yeah, it's um, yeah, okay, okay, I see, infrared, infrared, beautiful, okay, beautiful. but let's 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 be brutally honest. Talking to manufacturers about replicating a ball mouse, and I still think they're laughing now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, that that would have been a massive undertaking and a huge expense, believe it or not, just to recreate that because nobody makes the things anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. I so uh, the the the, tool, the tooling alone made it somewhat unfeasible for us to do. But when, when our plan started out, it was to do a ball mouse. It was to do the whole thing as, as accurately as possible. But as with the C64 Mini and full size, eventually financial constraints do take over. And we do get told to rein it in a little bit and just calm down because we still have to make these things make money somewhere along the line. Because Chris and I, if oh, yeah. we left our own devices, would, would be adding things onto it forever more, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you know there are still some people who are expecting to see to see a device that you can put in your pocket. But I think that plan is totally crushed, right? That's called a Raspberry Pi, isn't it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> and do you know what? Again, it's 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 one of those things that the priorities had to swap around. And I think that was a it was a market forces thing for us really. It the success of the C64 mini led to the full size. It kind of one thing ran away with another. At the same time, when we were looking at doing the, uh, the pocket uh, C64 that we were talking about, the problem then was all of the chip components uh, and the screens doubled and trebled in price. And I think right now it's one of those things that we'll, we, we, I think we wouldn't rule it out. We're never going to say never, obviously, and we've got the technology to do it. And, and Chris is a bit of an expert of making portable devices. Um, you know, I've, I, there's one we can't comment on that's sitting in Chris's office that we've tinkered with quite a lot. That's that's an incredible portable device. But the the thing is, until we can get until we can get the economics right, it, it's just not financially viable for us to to produce that product. Hmm. I mean, I mean, now you did the Vic Twenty, you did the C64, you did uh, the Amiga soon. There is not really much left in those Commodore. The, the C65. 
yeah, <laughs> they are. The, 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 the plans are open source for it, guys. Yeah. You know what? They're, uh, <laughs> what what we can say, and you know, so I so I don't actually run into too much trouble with our distribution company and our partners and our PR people. What we can say is there's some pretty big anniversaries coming up. So you know, ne- next year is a pretty big milestone. Uh, and the and the year after this, there, there, there are some anniversaries coming up. So just just watch this space and see see if we can <laughs> can't rustle something up for the mm. next few years. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, by the way, two years ago I discussed with you, Chris, via email, if we could put Scene World on one of those machines. But I we never we never got any end results from that. I think mm-hmm. your last comment was is was like. It's difficult because of the age restrictions. Oh. Yes, that rings a bell, actually. Um, yeah. Um, so this, this has been one of the, the most difficult things to do with the Amiga this time round, um, is getting age all the, the age certification. So it's PEGI, ESRB, USK, USK whatever the Australian what's the, one is. What's the whatever the Australian one is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, guys, the thing to bear in mind with this is, of course, when the C64 and the Amiga were around for the first time, we had no age restrictions. We didn't have governing bodies that, that were restrictive right. on this kind right. of stuff. And, you you know, in Germany, obviously, as, as you guys all know, there was a, there was a whole thing with, with blood. I remember Command and Cog having to have green blood. And obviously, there were, there were so many products that were restricted and, and curbed in the German marketplace or the German territories. But pretty much anywhere else, you could by and large, do whatever you wanted to do. Now, to get retail space, you have to have age ratings. And with age ratings, if you've got multiple games on one product, it presents actually a bit of a nightmare to get it done. It's, it's no small task to get through an age, an age ratings process. To have to do four or five of them each time is really problematic. So when, I think when Chris refers to age ratings, it, it really is a problem. If you've got a product that's um, episodic or fluid in any way, I think we what we would need to do is find a solution where users can download for themselves because anything prepackaged that that could be updated via firmware or anything else it, it potentially runs us into runs us into an issue with the age rating boards. Mm. I see, I see. Yeah, and I think with the magazine you would have to uh, control every every article if not something we'd have to do, written in it. We would have to do a D, a a a a DC64 issue of the mag just for them. And then, yeah, exactly. And then, and then, and then pretend like there's no other version, there's no other issues out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I guess that kind of scratched the idea because of the age ra- rating problem. Yeah, yeah. It's just... it certainly did for a pre-installed solution, anyway. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. Okay. I understand. Hmm. Too bad because. I think it would be a good market, but yes, I understand the problem here. Um, I think there's well, plenty of people that use it for, you know, I mean, I've been in some of the uh, the groups on Facebook where people, you know, share what they do with the, with the machines. And there's a lot of people that one of the best things that it has done as far as I can see is it has widened the audience for people that are still producing stuff for the 64. Um, absolutely. Definitely. You know, there's people coming out with games and disc mags and whatnot, and people that that don't have hardware anymore can go and get a an inexpensive, you know, mini, throw it on a USB drive, and up oh, now they're 
they're checking out the disc mag or they're checking out some new game. And, yeah. and that's, that's audience we didn't have before. Yeah. You know, no, that's well, I think something that we're quite proud of, proud of having, you know, injected some life back into the Commodore 64 community or mm-hmm. increased the Commodore 64 community. Um, but then again, it, it, that's in part because the, the mini well, and the full size, um, they're so easy to use by design. Um, and that is something that is is pretty much kind of like company mission statement. Really, it's it's um, if you want an if you want an Amiga or a Commodore sixty four or a Vic twenty um, emulator with all the features of an emulator, go and use an emulator. If you want something that just plug in, it powers up in a couple of seconds, and is just super easy to use without all the features, mm-hmm. then then you know where you guys really. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's where we are. So we are really, really pleased that, that um, there is this community now that's homebrewing, you know, with our products yeah. and distributing them and people are getting involved and, and being inspired and, and getting a lot of joy in use. I think that, that actually what, what we're finding as well is even, even original hardware purists, people who originally discounted what we were doing i now find are using the hardware we produced maybe not exclusively and maybe not not in place but if they're coding things or they're you know they're just archiving things they're using our hardware to do it because it does that as effectively as the original hardware does it's never it's never going to be the original hardware but it's it's as close as we can get it right yeah i mean I mean, it's true, as I said at the beginning, um, I remember five years ago, we were the only people talking to you because the Indiegogo wasn't so well received, unfortunately, by the community. uh, Yeah, I think, look, the thing is, whereas other Indiegogos for such things like that had been wildly successful, I think you're right. There was this this hardcore of, of... Commodore users still that actually pushed back against it, if anything. But mm. we were able we were able to generate enough money, and we obviously we we made up the balance ourselves. The three directors of retro games, or actually the four directors of retro games, put put the money in themselves to get it across the line. So it, it was it was important enough to us, and we were passionate enough about it that we were prepared to gamble our own money to make these things a reality. And now with the A500 Mini, you, you have it easier because people trust you now that you make a good product out of it. We like to think so. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that's where the Indiegogo campaign, where we struggle with the Indiegogo campaign, because I don't think people really understood what it was we were delivering. Yeah, I think it's fair to say at that point, nobody really understood what we were doing. We, we, we slightly missed what the, the customers wanted. They weren't quite sure what we were what we were intending on doing, um, so us getting that product out, as you say, people now know what we're doing. We've got a bit of respect. Um, we didn't have that when we did the Indiegogo campaign, so um, you know we got there in the end. <laughs> it was a, I mean, I mean, I, I, I thought a bit different about it because I knew Darren Mailburn was behind the DTV, so I knew you wouldn't release crap. But thank you. Um, but but still, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not the general public, of course, you know. Um, well, also, I mean, l- last time I was I was fortunate enough to work with Jerry Ellsworth last time as well, and true. As true. Jer- Jerry is well known as. 
as an absolute genius, but she's, uh, she's creating marvellous things over at Cast AR and wasn't available this time. But luckily, Chris was in the wings and, and I like to think that Chris has done a, a sterling job and, and hopefully people can see that. Of course. I mean, yeah. in the end, it's the end result that matters. And um, there will be some point in the future where the Amiga hardware isn't around anymore. And um, there will be more and more user groups being forced to use devices like the A500 Mini. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I don't, you know what? Hopefully in time, people will stop pushing back against these kind of things and just see it as a good thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, the thing is, you can update it with firmware. If you don't, if yeah. you don't screw up the hardware too much, you can still, um, you can still, you know, a reason erase bugs with it and stuff. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how many uh, how many revisions have we done for the sixty four, Chris? What are we on now? Not. No. Um, <laughs> Is that the technical answer? Lots. <laughs> yeah, I've. I, I can't. I don't know. Ten, maybe. Yeah. You know, it's been it's been quite a few. Um, there's been quite a few, yeah, because we, yeah, we 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 backported some of the features of the of the full size to the mini and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yep. But but the, the the decision to um, do a software hardware hybrid, really, to sort of like an, an emulation um, based approach, was taken. Um, I guess you probably remember having this conversation, Darren. It's um, um, was taken very early on and it was taken with a lot of consideration because it's great to do it in hardware um, you get low latency um, it, you're basically creating a, a real machine but that's extortionately expensive so you've got to sell your numbers and if you make a mistake in that silicon you're in trouble <laughs> you, yes. you can't it's not easy to fix well unless you go down the fpga routes um but then we wouldn't have a market because you know these fpgas are like almost the, 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 uh, our bottom line price anyway. So it's just, we, we couldn't do it. So we were forced, if we're going to deliver this kind of product with the sort of user interface that we're delivering with them, um, you can't do that in hardware. I mean, you can, but it, you know, you're not going to get that smoothness of user interface and, and stuff. You'd be, you know, it would, um, on a Commodore 64, it would run as fast and have the resolution of a Commodore 64. So, right, right. so we, you know, it was like, well, um, people may not have played with this stuff for 20, 30 years. Um, they're used to Netflix and Amazon Prime TV and all that kind of stuff, streaming services. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're used to the PlayStation, they're used to their Xbox. They, they want a modern device that works in a modern way, gives them that nostalgic experience. Right. Um, and we couldn't do that by designing a, our own custom chip. Certainly not at a price that that target audience would be prepared to pay. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was a, a tough decision to make, but I, I, yeah, I think we'd make that decision over and over and over now. You know, it's, it's worked out really well for, for um, the users and for us. So that's, so that's where we are. Awesome. So um, next to the Amiga, um, the A500 Mini, can we also expect next year to get a better availability of the other machines that released before, and like the Big 20? I mean, Absolutely. there would be an end to the shortage, I hope. 
Yeah, look, as far as we know, there is, as I say, we've got we've got a significant amount of units being shipped into Europe as we speak right now, and also into the US. We know they've landed in the USA. Um, we speak to our distribution company every single day. I mean, they are, in fairness, they are a lot more than just a distribution company. They're our partner in this. They help us with manufacture. They 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 help us with the entire process all the way along. So we've been, we're really close to. There's a there's a couple of guys in the. Uh, in the UK office, Stuart and Ben, I'll give them a, give them a bit of a shout out, who have, who have been invaluable. They've been part of the team all the way along. And we, we talk to them virtually daily. Um, and we know that there's, these units are landed in, in, into Europe, into the USA. So yes, in, in short, it's a, a long way of answering yes, um, that, that there'll be a lot more product in the marketplace in the next few months. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness. The reason why I also ask is because now we have our YouTube hardware guy in uh, sitting in America and we wonder if you could send us a review unit to him. Um, if we've got I one, if we've got one there, yes, of course. Yeah. So I would, I would send you his address if that is not a problem, because yep, I know, I know the last time you sent the review unit to, to Europe. So, <laughs> but we, but I don't know how, how you, um, how you plan the market start, but I guess for the a 500 mini, you go globally, on instant this time absolutely oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i mean um, again we, we, we are still in the hands of of these things being shipped but true, true. The, the plan is global day one yeah yeah but but you also have to understand people are tired of fearing ship shortage <laughs> true yeah true yeah. Well, i don't right. I'd, I'd, lo i'd love to know who to blame for it but We yeah, we we've got our allocation, so we're we're hopefully we're good. Awesome. Um, It's more well, a ship shortage, isn't it? I think at the moment, as opposed to a ship shortage. We just can't <laughs> can't move the stock. Yeah, true. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Um. Well. So I guess from my side, I would have it all covered. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. not an Amiga expert anyway. I guess well, HA has to... Frozen. What is frozen? I think I've frozen. Oh, no, no, no. Just, all, good. Good. all good. All good. All good. All good. Well, nice. Well, though, yeah. but where, where can people find out more about this? Is there a homepage for the A500 Mini that people can check out? Sure there is. My, my Amiga 500 is stuck on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah and um the retro the retro games facebook page is, ah. is, a, is a good place as well um um there's a lot of chat in there, yeah so. that gets updated a, a couple of times a week every week so that's the best place actually to find out news or on uh cock themselves are, are pretty good at updating for for release news and features etc etc And we're, we're, we're drip feeding the games, the, the remaining games titles to that channel as well. So, you know, if you want to know every week what the next two games are. Interesting. Cool. Very nice. And, and I also saw, by the way, when Zen's Journey was released, there was even there was even an announcement by you guys for the mini version, if I'm not mistaken, right? There was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this. Yeah. So is there any plan to do this kind of stuff for new Amiga games as well? Because as we all know, the Amiga scene doesn't have as many, as many game releases and as many attention 
FCG64 scene, unfortunately, for new games and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think we can confidently say that there will be some new, some new games coming to the Amiga also. Yeah. Awesome. Reshoot. Awesome. Reshoot. Reshoot. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is really, the thing is really, Amiga is a totally different community than the yes, uh, yes, it is. Totally. So, um, so many people believed actually that that there would never be an, a mini version of the Amiga because of all the license issue and you know the law fights between Hyperion and Cloanto and stuff. Well, and the complexity awesome. of the hardware. I mean, it's pretty, you know, the Amiga is pretty difficult to, the, the 64 is pretty simple compared to an Amiga. Put yeah. it that way. That is, uh, and that wasn't easy. <laughs> I right. say on Chris's yeah. behalf. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Regarding, well, I mean, regarding, yeah. uh, it's regarding that legal battles. <laughs> oh, how can you say that, Chris? That's the finest sound chip of all time. It is amazing. It's it, really tough to emulate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was that was one of those uh, situations where I just said, "Yes, I know it's difficult, Chris, but just please do it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of those situations where people are like, "Oh, it doesn't sound right," and it's like, "Yeah, but but I've got three sixty fours, and none of them sound and none the of same. them sound the same exactly." Yeah. But do, do you know what? I I think it really is only a small amount of people who realize that there were probably eight to ten revisions. Due. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 as you know, the, the, the envelopes all sound different depending yeah. on the model of, of yep. 64 you have. So I guess people bought the thing and it didn't sound quite like it did to them when they were a kid because they may have had a Model 7. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's as close as it can be to, to the one that sounds as good as it possibly can. Yeah. And, and what but many people don't know that even Commodore um, – Put Commodore put a Z64 in the market back then that had broken SID chips from the oh, start. Absolutely. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. There is a book by Brian Becknell, "The Rise and Fall of Commodore on the Edge," and 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 he was actually interviewing the Commodore de- designers, and they totally admitted that they had less parts they could use, so they actually reached to the bin with the broken parts. Put it out yeah. and put together a broken Z64 because it was cheaper to let them return it than yeah. playing the than paying the fines for failing to fulfill the contract for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Know? The idea was to to get them out by Christmas, and then if they got to return them all, then they'll do it. I think yeah. uh, the 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 guy mainly responsible for the SID chip is a guy called Bob Yanis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, I've, uh, I've read the book, you, in fact, twice the book you're referring to. It's a fantastic book. It really is. And it's also a game changer for history because before that book, everybody thought that Apple made the first home, home computers. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. It, it, so, it does set things. It sets the record straight as it should be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. And I guess, I guess you two guys, you are happy to be a part of this history now. Absolutely, yeah. I think yeah. it's uh, it's it's something we're we're all passionate about in the company. We're all passionate about retro gaming, massively so. Um, as as you know, in my with my other hat on as well, I am the licensing director for Anstream, so I, I spend hey. my life playing playing retro games. <laughs> I know, yeah, 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 yeah. My, my we very actually... existence is licensing retro games. <laughs> yeah, but actually. 
that's that's an interesting thing there because for Endstream, I think HAU mentioned it when you tried it. There wasn't so much latency than there you wasn't. would expect. There was yeah. a, there was almost no lag, and it was weird because it's the fact that I'm it's it's streaming. It's not like it's not like I'm playing an emulated game. It's a, I'm stre- It's being streamed from someplace else, and there's and I can't find any lag. It's taken a lot of work to make it as good as it is. Yeah. So that is why I have uh, my hopes for the A five hundred Mini. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I think look, I think Chris has Chris has labored for. It, I think it's safe to say years now, Chris, <laughs> on this product. So it's yeah. yeah. We, we hope you guys will like it as much as we do. Yeah, I think I think we will. Okay. Well. So thanks, guys. Have, have a good right. have a Thank good you. evening. All right. Bye Take bye. Care. Have a good evening. Right. You Cheers. too. Bye bye. See you all. Bye-bye. Bye.